Now stay tuned for professional wrestling live from the Springfield Grappolarium. Tonight, a Texas death match. Dr. Hillbilly versus the Iron Yuppie. One man will actually be unmasked and killed in the ring. Well, I hope they kill that Iron Yuppie. Thinks he's so big. I need a volunteer to be my first sacrifice. Are, are we back? Hey, we're back! Alright, welcome to Throwing Couch Potatoes, the show that chronicles my attempt to reach 5,000 matches in one year or die trying. Uh, Apologies for no episode last week, I had no internet for some reason, but uh, it's back, and we're back. We've got a super heavyweight size double episode today here for you, chronicling everything that I watched from March 13th to 25th, including a particularly spicy live show. So let's get into all of it, shall we? But first, a smidgen of March 12th, because uh, I have here the New Japan Cup Night 6. Uh, I watched the two second round matches on that show, Tamatanga versus Aaron Hanare. Uh, yeah, this was... Unfortunately, the, the thing with this episode is there's going to be a lot of matches that I watched two weeks ago, and I can't remember a whole lot about this one. Uh, it was a couple of big meaty men slapping their meat, and it was a 2.75. I don't particularly like either guy, but Aaron Hanare has some cool video game moves. That's that's neat. Uh, also from the second round, we had Hiroki Goto versus Kyle Fletcher. Uh, this one was a, a much more memorable match for me. Kyle was just giving it his all against Goto, who is obviously a much more experienced and grizzled competitor. Um, I think both the Aussie Open guys have been on fire lately. They're very motivated because they weren't getting booked as a tag team with New Japan very often. So whether they're doing their tag team stuff or their singles runs in in this tournament, uh, I've been really impressed with what I've seen from both Fletcher and uh, Mark Davis. This was a 3.5. Well, worth checking out. Uh, after that, on the 13th, I watched AEW Elevation, which opened with Emi Sakura versus Zyra. Uh, this was, unfortunately, not as good of an Emi Sakura squash as there has been lately. This was a 2.25. Uh, then Jake Hager took on Levi Shapiro. Um, yeah, I'm usually not a fan of Jake Hager matches, especially when it's with, uh, you know, uh, somebody I don't know who's not particularly impressive uh, so this was a 2 out of 5. I, I don't know. It was short, at least, I think. Uh, then Marina Shafir took on Mighty Myra. Uh, as always, Marina Shafir is one of the best squash wrestlers in the business. Her squash matches are short but sweet. They get over her character. They make her look super strong. Uh, yeah, I really, really like what I've seen from Marina Shafir this year. She's improved so much since she was in NXT. Uh, that was a 2.75 match for me. After that, Brian Cage took on Jack Cartwheel. Jack Cartwheel is exactly the kind of opponent that Brian Cage needs. Some small guy that he can yeet around, who can do a bunch of moves around him. Uh, Yeah, this was a pretty enjoyable match. I gave it a 3. Definitely playing to both men's strengths. After that, The Butcher and the Blade took on Vinny Massaro and Myron Creed. Myron Creed. yeah, this was a an average tag match. Nothing too special about it. I like the Butcher and the Blade, and I like Vinny Massaro. He's cool. Uh, that's a 2.5 for me. 
After that, Athena uh, took on Indermundi in an ROH Women's Championship Proving Ground match. They've uh, managed to get them consistent with calling them Proving Ground matches, which is nice. Uh, unfortunately, this was not as good of an Athena match as she's had lately. Um, her matches, you know, are kind of hit and miss. Uh, if she's got a good opponent, they can be some of the best I've seen this year. But, uh, you know, some matches like this are just kind of ho-hum. 2.25 from me. Uh, then the best friends, Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta, took on Olamide and Starboy Charlie. Uh, that guy who's in the front row of a lot of AEW shows with the sign Starboy Charlie sign. Just calm down, man. He's here. You can You can put it away. Uh, this was a 2.75 match for me. Starboy and Olamide uh, definitely put on a good showing and, and wanted to impress, and uh, best friends are a lot of fun. So, yeah, 2.75. After that, the main event for this episode of Elevation, the wingmen Peter Avalon and Ryan Nemeth took on the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo. Uh, the Lucha Bros haven't been up to much since losing the uh, Escalera de la Muerte match to the Elite, so this is kind of to get them ring ready again, I suppose. Uh, it was an alright tag match, 2.75. It was just barely an okay main event for this show, but uh, yeah, not a great elevation this week. The, the best match was a Brian Cage match, that's weird to say. Over to WWE Raw, it opened with The Judgment Day, Damian Priest, and Dominic Mysterio. Always the worst combination from The Judgment Day. They never throw Finn Balor in there. Versus Dexter Loomis and Johnny Gargano. Uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about this one. Not a fan of Priest or Mysterio in-ring. Uh, I like Loomis and Gargano, but this match wasn't really about them. So it was a 2.5 from me. Uh, after that, L.A. Knight took on Cody Rhodes. Uh, I was actually kind of uh, anticipating this one. I felt like it had a possibility to be very good, but a lot of time was spent in this match doing storytelling for Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. You know, we get a shot of uh, Paul Heyman up the ramp, and Cody leans on the ropes and looks at him, and then they wrestle for a bit, and then they do it again, and it's like, ah, there's a good match in here, just desperate to get out. I feel like LA Knight is the kind of opponent that could give Cody Rhodes a really good match with some time and effort. 2.75, a bit of a disappointment. After that, Elias took on Bronson Reed. Uh, I feel like it was pretty short. I definitely don't remember much about it. 2.25 for me. Then Austin Theory took on Angelo Dawkins. Uh, Dawkins is okay. I'm just very much not a Theory guy. Um, yeah, not a, a very memorable match. 2.5. 2.5 I gave also to Seth Rollins versus Baron Corbin, which is uh, weird. You, you know, usually Seth is able to get a good match even out of a, a milk toast opponent. Uh, but yeah, this one I feel was a little unfocused and a little messy. It was a 2.5. Then Chelsea Green took on Bianca Belair. Chelsea Green sporting some sick Vancouver Canucks gear that I saw her wrestle in uh, at the Commodore Ballroom once. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I like Chelsea. She just hasn't been getting many chances to wrestle for long periods of time. So most of her matches have been kind of meh. Uh, this one was no exception. It was a 2.25. 
And then your main event uh, in a street fight, Kevin Owens versus Solo Sokoa. I felt this was another match that had plenty of potential to be good. You know, Kevin Owens is one of my favorites, and he's a solid guy, and he can bring out the best in opponents like Sokoa. But, yeah, this only ended up being a 2.5. Another match that's, you know, the match was hampered by the storytelling. And I know that's WWE's thing, and, you know, that's great and all, but, it, you know, the match isn't very entertaining when it stops and starts and, you know, has all this other bullshit going on. Anyways, um, pretty lackluster Raw, honestly. Usually there's at least one match where I'm like, okay, there's some stuff I like here, but, yeah, scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Uh, over to New Japan for the New Japan Cup Night 7. Uh, two more second-round matches. Evil took on Jeff Cobb. Uh, I like Jeff Cobb. Not really a huge Evil fan. This was another kind of uh, meh big man match. Uh, too long, kind of boring, 2.5. These are the kind of matches that uh, you know I, I dread watching New Japan for because for every... A uh, great match that they have, like the one I'm about to talk about. They have something like this that is just kind of overstays its welcome and just doesn't doesn't excite me. What does excite me though is Dunkzilla Mark Davis taking on his uh, well his boss basically from the United Empire, Will Ospreay, in a second round match. Uh, I'm no fan of Will Ospreay personally, but, uh, you know, you, you can't deny that he's an incredible in-ring wrestler, and, um, I love me some Mark Davis, so this was a very enjoyable match, uh, gave it a 3.75, unfortunately Ospreay got, uh, well, depending on who you ask, unfortunately Ospreay got an injury in this match, and Davis ends up getting his, uh, his quarterfinal match in his stead, um, so this ended up being a bit of a... Uh, hey, check out Mark Davis type of tournament because they're you know you get a little bit more of him. Uh, yeah, good match. Hard for Osprey to have a bad one. I'm just not a fan of the guy. Uh, over to AEW Dark, which opened with the Outrunners, Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd against the Dark Order, John Silver and Alex Reynolds. Yeah, I mean, Truth and Turbo are, are entertaining and all. I just I, I've yet to see them in a in a good match, and that makes me wonder how useful they're really gonna be in AEW. Because uh, you know, Silver and Reynolds are usually great, but this one was only a two point two five. After that, Diamante took on Riho. Um, yeah, I was uh, pretty happy with this one. I feel like uh, maybe with a little more time, it could have been a bit better. But, you know, it's still a fine match. 2.75. I like both of these ladies. Um, happy to be seeing more Riho. Sunny Kiss took on Terry Kidd. Uh, this one, I can't. I don't think I remember anything about it, unfortunately, which is uh, a bummer. I really think Sonny is being underutilized in AEW. They really need to do something more with them. Two out of five. Over to Julia Hart versus Zoe Lynn. Uh, I like Julia Hart in the House of Black, but the problem is is that she doesn't do much of her like high-flying offense that she had with the Varsity Blondes, and that you know, was kind of her her strong point as a wrestler. So most of her matches since joining the House of Black have been uh, not great. This was a 2.25. Then over to Action Andretti versus Big Shoddy Lee Johnson. Yeah, I'm, uh, like I've said before, definitely feeling uh, Action Andretti fatigue. Um, I feel like uh, they need to cool him off a little bit, have him be a, a background guy for, for a little while because, uh, you know, 
I don't think he's uh, quite there yet. But anyways, 2.5 is a, a, an okay match. And that was actually your uh, dark main event too. So I, I'm disappointing dark as well. Like this week in wrestling started off pretty weak. Uh, then we checked out NXT, which opened with Gallus, Smart Coffee, and Wolfgang versus Pretty Deadly, Kit Wilson, and Elton Prince for the NXT Tag Team Championship. Uh, yeah, I mean, it says something about this week in wrestling that uh, a tag team championship match happened, and I don't remember a thing about it. Uh, and I, I like Pretty Deadly well enough. Gallus is okay. But this was uh, 2.5, uh, not a memorable match for me. After that, Saul Ruka took on Zoe Stark, two of the brightest prospects in the women's division for NXT. So, you know, a lot of people were really hyped about this match. I thought it was uh, just average. I gave it a 2.25. Both women have a lot of um, potential, I guess. They they have, like, one cool move each, and everyone goes bananas over them. But, like, their actual matches aren't good. Like, get excited when they when they have a good one. <sighs> After that, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn took on Ivy Nile and Tatum Paxley and uh, Katana Chance and Caden Carter in a triple threat tag match. Um, you would hope for some solid action here, but this was a bit of a mess. It was a 2.5. 2.5 I gave also to Apollo Crews versus Davicato. Dabakato is one of those wrestlers that really exemplifies the problem of the new NXT. He debuts, and the commentators talk about him like he's this immediate threat, but it's obvious that he can't wrestle well. It's obvious that he's not going to be a high-level guy. So I'm just getting this like cognitive dissonance of the commentators telling me he's a super dangerous dude, but I just see this dork who's going to get squashed by Cruz. I don't know. 2.5 for me. And then your main event, Gigi Dolan versus Kiana James. Uh, yikes. Also another unmemorable match and one that I only rated 2.25. I can't tell you a thing about it. And that's unfortunate for your main event. Yikes, NXT. Everyone's fucking up this week. It was just a bad week for wrestling. I remember being kind of frustrated. Like, man, I don't even know if I want to watch more. Anyways... Over to NWA Power. Ooh, wrestling the way it ought to be. It's going to get real good from here, guys. We open with Kenzie Page versus Ashley Demboise. Uh, this was a fairly decent match. I feel like, uh, you know, if it uh, if NWA Power didn't have, you know, like six-minute matches only, uh, this could have gone somewhere, but uh, it was just all right. 2.5. After that, Mike Knox took on Stacy Alexander. God, I remember being like, oh, Mike Knox, he's still around? And then being like, oh, Mike Knox, he's still around. <laughs> Two out of five for me. And then for your NWA World Television Championship, Tom Latimer took on Rhett Titus. Hey, this was actually not terrible. Hey, and, and what do you know? It's because Rhett Titus isn't a Ring of Honor guy. Uh, the best parts of NWA are when an AEW or a Ring of Honor wrestler shows up on it. Uh, but yeah, this was a fine match. Nothing to write home about, but uh, better than a lot of what NWA puts out. 2.75. And then your main events, Carrie Morton taking on... <laughs>
always get so excited for Mecha Wolf because he's got the coolest name in wrestling. But uh, yeah, it's, <laughs> like the rest of NWA, not uh, not up to snuff. This was a two out of five match. I feel like they insist that Kerry Morton is like is like a Nick Wayne type figure or something like this this prodigy type wrestler. Um, he's okay. He's, uh, but when there's so many wrestlers in the indie scene right now who are like 17 or 18 and they're just worlds better than Kerry, uh, Morton, I don't know, man. It, it, uh, makes me very, very hesitant to get excited about the guy because it just seems like he is a few steps behind his peers. Uh, we had one more New Japan Cup, uh, show. And to be honest with you, I think this is where I gave up on the New Japan Cup because I realized that, uh, you know, all my boys are, are out of it at this point, and I was really not enjoying it uh, to the degree that I was hoping I would. Uh, so the rest of the the matches just didn't seem worth it. And I, I got the same impression from Twitter as well. People were kind of like, well, you know, we got, what, Sonata and David Finlay, and like, okay, they're clearly trying to, like, get some other guys over with this tournament, but uh, that also means that all the Sharks are gone. Uh, what are you going to do? Anyways, we open with David Finlay versus Great O'Conn. And, uh, yeah, this was uh, an average match. Uh, I've yet to see anything from Finlay that really makes me excited. Great O'Conn is cool, but, you know, he's not like an elite-level performer in New Japan or anything. Yeah, just 2.5. Your second second round of match of the night, Shota Umino took on Zack Sabre Jr. I was pretty excited for this one. Uh, I do love me some ZSJ, although, uh, you know, Shota... I mean, he's very early in his career, so he he can obviously get very better. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm really not loving his matches so far. I feel like he's he's kind of got the Naito problem of if he goes full tilt, it can be all right. But uh, if he's wasting his time, it's not very entertaining. Uh, this was just a three, which, you know, is a solid score, but uh, I was hoping for more out of this one. Over to Dynamite, we opened with Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Claudio Castagnoli, and Wheeler Yuta versus Hangman Adam Page and the Dark Order. Fuck yeah, Evil Uno and Stu Grayson of the Dark Order, that is. Um, yeah, pretty good six-man match. Uh, I felt like with the, the pedigree in, in this one that it, it should have been a little better. But, uh, you know, some decent action. I just felt like... Uh, the chaotic parts didn't really gel as they often do in Dark Order Six Mans. Um, maybe it's because Hangman was there. They don't have the same chemistry with him. Who knows? It was still fine, though. 3.25. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Over to the TBS Championship match. Jade Cargill taking on Nicole Matthews. Fuck yes. Get in. Ah. Oh the fucking ace of Canadian wrestling, and it's so cool to see her on AEW TV. Uh, unfortunately, Jade just fucking chewed her up and spit her out. But still, uh, Nicole is wrestling in the United States now. Uh, she deserves her flowers. She's uh, a trailblazer for women's independent wrestling, and we here in British Columbia are so lucky to have her around. 
Uh, very excited to see her again next month uh, at 365. And uh, got lots to talk about uh, from her performance against Miyu Yamashita later on in this episode as well. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, this was a 2 out of 5, very short squash match. Great seeing Nicole, but yeah, not not much of a, a wrestling match here. But then another BC wrestler, Taya Valkyrie from here in Victoria, came out and challenged Jade. Uh, so that's cool. I'm, I'm glad that you know BC women are getting a lot of uh, airtime on on uh, AEW TV. That's pretty cool. Then for your AEW International Championship, uh, Orange Cassidy takes on Jeff Jarrett. Um, yeah, some mildly fun shenanigans in this match. Uh, not the best Orange Cassidy match I've seen, but, you know, I don't hate Jeff Jarrett like some people do. I also don't love Jeff Jarrett like some people do. So this match was uh, just okay. 2.75 for me. And then the main event for the AEW Trios Championship. The House of Black, Malachi Black, Birdie King, and Buddy Matthews versus The Elite, Matt and Nick Jackson, and Kenny Omega versus the Jericho Appreciation Society, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, and Daniel Garcia in a big old triple threat trios match i feel like if this were a pay-per-view match and it had like an extra five ten minutes on it it could be like an all-timer um but this was suitably chaotic and action-packed and just full of crazy ass spots that um you know it was what it needed to be Uh, i gave it a four out of five uh very very happy to see this cap off um a bit of a, a lopsided dynamite but uh this ended up making it an overall pretty decent show uh, yeah, four out of five. Go out of your way to check it out. It's uh, one of the better AEW matches in the past few weeks, to be honest. Over to Ring of Honor on Honor Club, opening with a uh, World Championship Proving Ground match. Claudio Castagnoli versus Willie Mack. Um, yeah, Claudio is uh, the kind of guy you would want to see in a Willie Mack match. You know, a guy who's equally big and powerful and can uh, do all the cool stuff. This match had some cool stuff. It was 3.25. Uh, yeah, very happy with it. Very solid opener to this episode of Ring of Honor. Uh, yeah, nothing to complain about here. I also gave 3.25 to Mike Bennett versus Dante Martin. Uh, much better than the uh, Matt Taven Darius match that happened next week. Uh, well, this week, rather. But, uh, yeah, this one was pretty solid. Uh, Dante, I think, has had a lot more time to mature as a singles wrestler that Darius hasn't had. So uh, his matches flow a lot better because he's been in the ring with a lot of uh, truly great guys during the period that Darius was on the shelf. Solid match. Uh, keeping the uh, momentum going very well on this show. Into Ari Davari and Slim J versus Blake Christian and Metalik. Um, yeah, Trustbusters are all right. I feel like everyone in the Trustbusters is capable of doing like crazy ass shit, but they usually slow it down for heel stuff. Uh, but then they uh, fight teams that do crazy ass shit, like Christian and Metalik. Um, this match was okay. I feel like uh, they were kind of holding back because they're going to have a big six man uh, in the following week. So this was a three out of five. After that, Jeeves K took on Eddie Kingston, my man. Uh, this one was only a 2.5. It was a very short squash. Not a whole lot happened, but, uh, you know, Eddie's the best. He's so entertaining. Uh, this was still fine. Then we had Athena versus Hyann for the uh, ROH Women's Championship in a proving ground match, rather. 
yeah, this was uh, a lot better than the last Athena Proving Ground match that I watched. This was a 3 out of 5. Hyann is uh, pretty impressive, and I feel like she should uh, stick around in ROH. Uh, could round out their women's division a little more. Then we go to Silas Young versus Marcus Cross. Silas Young confuses me because he looks like your uncle, but he does, like, springboards and flips and stuff. It's weird. His gimmick doesn't match his skills, but, uh, you know, he's a good wrestler. This was a 2.5 match, uh, pretty forgettable, you know, kind of. This match was uh, basically to get Silas Young over, and it succeeded in that a little bit, I think. Uh, then we had, for the ROH World Six-Man Tag Team Championship, the Embassy, Brian Cage, Bishop Khan, and Toa Leona, versus Dalton Castle and the boys, Brandon and Brent. Uh, yeah, this is uh, a pretty fun match. Uh, I think Dalton Castle and the boys do very well against, like, violent teams that can toss them around, so I'm, I'm looking forward to them fighting uh, Blackpool Combat Club this week, uh, week on Dynamite. Yeah, pretty entertaining match overall. Uh, a lot of uh, stuff to like about it. It just didn't quite get to that point of being uh, good enough to definitively recommend. So I gave it a 3.25. After that, Madison Rain took on Trisha Dora. I like Trish a lot. Uh, she's really cool. Madison Rain, however, is... Uh, yeah, I just... Uh, her matches don't do it for me. I'm sorry. I know she's like a, a legend or whatever, but uh, yeah. Not great. 2.5 average you know whatever after that christopher daniels and matt seidel took on the outrunners truth magnum and turbo floyd it looks like daniels and seidel are gonna be kind of a ongoing tag team in ring of honor which is uh fine by me uh 2.5 for this match yeah truth magnum and turbo floyd very entertaining but uh their matches are usually just average at best and then your main event for the ROH Pure Championship, Wheeler Yuta took on Clark Connors from New Japan. Uh, yeah, this one was just okay. I feel like uh, both guys did a good performance, but they didn't exactly, like, mesh perfectly well. Like, uh, you know, I feel like they didn't have bad chemistry, but they didn't have good chemistry either. So it ended up just being a match where they just... I'll do some stuff, and then you do some stuff, and then we'll do some more stuff, and then it's over. Um, Wheeler is uh, capable of, of uh, you know, creating really incredible matches, and uh, this wasn't quite it. But uh, 3 out of 5 isn't anything to sneeze about, and uh, it was an okay main event. Uh, ROH didn't have any absolute, you know, barn burners on this card, but still, it's been maintaining a pretty solid level of uh, consistent quality, so I've been happy with it uh, these three weeks. Then we go over to Impact, getting ready for uh, Sacrifice uh, in two weeks' time. We open with Speedball, Mike Bailey, and Jonathan Gresham versus Decay, Crazy Steve, and Black Taurus. Oh, man, I gotta say I was pretty excited for this one, but it uh, it fell kind of short. I feel like they're trying to really uh, Im impress on the viewer that Speedball, Mike Bailey, and Jonathan Gresham are like you know, classic adversaries or whatever, and uh, their singles matches, they should be, like, the best ever, and they just end up being pretty good, and their tag matches, 
can be the best ever because their match against the Motor City Machine Guns is my like third favorite of the year. But then they have matches like this where it's like, oh, Black Taurus and, and Speedball and, and Jonathan Gresham in, in a tag match? That sounds sick. And then it was just all right. So I don't really know what to say about it. They're two of the best wrestlers in the world, and Black Tarus is amazing, and Crazy Steve is, you know, he's fine. He's not really my type of wrestler, but he's fine. Yeah, only a 2.75 for this one. Uh, a head-scratcher. I, I, I hoped for better. Then Steve Macklin took on Heath in a very WWE-ass match. Uh, this was a 2.5. I uh, did not enjoy it very much, but uh, they at least you know, gave it some, some effort, so it wasn't uh, a complete waste of time. Then Johnny Swinger took on Jai Vidal in a very forgettable and uh, thankfully, I believe, short match. I want to say it was short because I certainly don't remember anything from it. Two out of five, moving on. For the Impact Knockouts World Tag Team Championship, the Death Dolls, Taya Valkyrie and Rosemary versus the Coven, Taylor Wilde and Kylan King. Uh, this was... Like a lot of Death Dolls matches, eh, not great. <laughs> I feel like Taya works better with Jessica rather than Rosemary. I, I really haven't liked what I've seen from Rosemary this year. She's been kind of meh, and this match was kind of meh. So 2.25 from me, an unfortunate uh, title match on this show. And then your main events, Josh Alexander, Frankie Kazarian, and Rich Swan versus Bullet Club, Ace Austin, Chris Bay, and Kenta. Um, I was fairly stoked for this one, although I feel like Impact really shines when they have tag matches and six-man matches between established teams, and I feel like when they put together a trio like Alexander, Kazarian, and Swan like this, um, they don't have the the base that a, a team like Bullet Club would have, even though Kenta doesn't team with Austin and Bay very often, uh, just the fact that they're of like minds, uh, they tend to they tend to gel better as a team. I find uh, so this match was uh, just all right. It was a three out of five. Uh, moving on to New Japan uh, Cup Night Nine. Oh, I did watch one more. Uh, so yeah, th oh <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into why I, I gave up on uh, the New Japan Cup. Anyways, quarterfinal match, uh, ba -ba 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 -ba. we got Evil versus Mark Davis. Uh, yeah, this was still pretty solid because Mark Davis was very over with the crowd, and uh, I was rooting for him to win, but uh, yeah, was not the case. Uh, 3.25, pretty decent match. Was really happy to see Mark Davis shine in this tournament. Uh, and then your second quarterfinal match, Tetsuya Naito versus Sonata. Yeah, this is exactly the kind of match that uh, can really put a damper on a night of New Japan. Uh, it was a 2.75. It wasn't bad. But just, man, these guys wrestle slow sometimes. Like, ugh. Naito and Sonata are the two wrestlers that I think exemplify the boring side of New Japan. Uh, I'm, I'm really over Tetsuya Naito as a character. Like, his matches are slow and boring. I get that his character is that he doesn't give a shit, but it that the result of that is that he doesn't give a shit, and it doesn't like he doesn't have any expression on his face. He just looks like he doesn't want to be there, and that would be fine if he was doing something that was entertaining. But it's a fucking Tetsuya Naito main event match. It's a a glacial pace, and I'm just so over it. You know, put him in a sprint. You know. 
let him do a bunch of big spots and and have a decent pace, and he's fine. He's great even. But uh, I've just seen enough Tetsuya Naito big matches to get really sick of the formula, and I'm I'm over it. I'm I'm, I'm not a Naito fan anymore, and this really. This match put a damper on the New Japan Cup. I realize with the people who are in still remaining in it, it's just going to be more of this. So I uh, had to call it. Didn't make it to night 10, uh, unfortunately enough. But over to AEW for Rampage, baby. This is the show y'all been waiting on, I guess. Uh, other than that, uh, one big ol' uh, clusterfuck of a trio's uh, triple threat on Dynamite. Uh, there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about this week, but uh, hey, we got Powerhouse Hobbs versus Ray Phoenix for the TNT Championship opening it up, and this was a pretty solid match. Uh, Hobbs works really well with a guy like Phoenix, uh, who's uh, much smaller than him, obviously. There were some crazy-ass spots in this match. Hobbs looked very very strong and i think it this was important to have this match to really solidify his tnt championship reign uh it definitely looks like he deserves it now and i'm thrilled to say that because at the beginning of this show for weeks i was saying god i hope they do something with powerhouse hobbs man they're really wasting their time with powerhouse hobbs what are they doing with powerhouse hobbs uh they did something with powerhouse hobbs and it's great then we have Taya Valkyrie in her AEW singles debut against Ava Lawless. Uh, also, I've seen Ava Lawless a couple of times. Uh, she's a very good uh, indie wrestler. Uh, this was just an okay match, though. Kind of hampered by you know filling in story for Taya Valkyrie versus Jade. Um, pretty quick squash. Not a whole lot to talk about here. Two out of five. Then we have, hey, the Bollywood boys, Gerv and Harv Sierra versus 2.0, Matt Menard and Angelo Parker. A nice old uh, Canadian tag team match here. I love it. I've seen the Bollywood boys a bunch of times. They're a lot of fun. Uh, this was a decent match. It was 2.5, average at best. Uh, I had hoped for better, but, you know, what can you do? It's Rampage. It's a throwaway tag match. It was fine. Then your main events, uh, I was uh, excited for this one, but it ended up uh, being just okay. Daniel Garcia versus Brody King. Uh, Brody's been getting some more singles matches lately, which is great, but uh, none of them have been on the par of like the stuff that he was doing with Darby. Uh, 2.75, uh, it was all right. But uh, yeah, the Hobbs match was obviously uh, a, a real gem, and you should go check it out, but uh, eh, not a great rampage overall. Over to GCW for Eye for an Eye. They uh, had a couple of pretty decent shows that weekend. Let's go through them. Opened with, uh, well, I skipped a couple of the opening matches, but I first started with Blake Christian versus Jack Cartwheel. Uh, this was... A suitably bunkers, high-flying indie match. This is, uh, you know, you would hope to get uh, a high-quality, high-flying match out of it, and that's exactly what they did. So 3.5 out of 5. Uh, yeah, both guys are going to go on and do great things. They had Willie Mack versus Tony Deppin. Uh I like both guys. Uh, I just don't know if this match was really... Um, one where Deppin was going to shine. Willie Mack just looks great always, but, 
Yeah, it was just okay. 2.75. I also gave that uh, 2.75 rating to Gringo Loco versus Bandito, which I was very excited to see. And for all I know, the match was actually better than that. But I wouldn't know because GCW kept losing fucking uh, connection during the stream. And they don't, like, upload, like, a hard copy of of the show later to, to fight TV. They just upload a replay of the live stream. So if the live stream has issues, the replay will have those issues forever. So, uh, yeah, this should – it was probably a very awesome match for everyone in attendance. Uh, if you're a Fight TV subscriber like myself, uh, go fuck yourself. You don't really get to see Gringo Loco versus Bandito. Uh, you can see about a third of it, and it was pretty all right, but uh, yeah. Lost uh, connection to venue is the true heel of GCW. What a disappointment. Get your shit together, guys. Uh, thankfully, they did uh, manage to get a stable uh, setting going for Time Splitters, Alex Shelley and Kushida versus Jordan Oliver and Speedball Mike Bailey. Uh, yeah, that's one of those tag matches that's maybe not a dream match that you've thought of before, but it's hard not to salivate thinking about it. Uh, and it was uh, suitably good. It was a 3.75 for me. Um, I feel like Oliver is, is the only one who maybe isn't like spectacular in this match. I know a lot of people are very high on him. He's good, but uh, it's the Kerry Morton thing where he's constantly surrounded by other wrestlers his age that are uh, just operating on a bit of a higher level. And I feel like GCW is trying to like insist that Jordan Oliver is as good as Nick Wayne. And... Uh, not really. Uh, he's good. He's really good. But, uh, you know, Nick Wayne and Billy Starks are better. Anyways, 3.75 match. Uh, still very, very good. Check it out. And then for the GCW World Championship, Nick Gage versus Masha Slamovich. Uh, hey, I'm, you know, Nick Gage is uh, held together with duct tape and was never an incredible wrestler to begin with. But, uh, you know, he's got character and people connect with him. Uh, and, you know, I'll give him credit. He, he threw everything he had into this match. And uh, between him taking some pretty crazy bumps and Masha having, you know, the, the ring generalship to uh, kind of keep this match together, this ended up being better than I was dreading it was going to be. And uh, thankfully they did the right thing and had Masha win. So uh, no more Nick Gage main events for a while, probably, hopefully. Uh, this is a 2.75 for me. It was fine. Uh, I like Masha a lot, and I like Nick Gage. It's just, you know, his, his matches are never going to be uh, uh, the best thing on the card. Unless it's a really bad card. Over to TJPW for Grand Princess 23. Oh, shit. I was, uh, I let this one sneak up on me, but I was uh, quite excited to see that it had been uploaded. Um... I don't know if I checked out the whole show, but I started with Kyoraku Kyome. Kyoraku Kyome. Oh, it's hard to say. Uh, Shoko Nakajima and Hyper Misao versus Haruna Neko and Andreza Giant Panda. Uh, hey, you want some goofy, silly goose times? Uh, check this match out. Haruna Neko teams with like a 10 foot tall inflatable panda costume guy who can barely get into the ring. 
uh, yeah, this match was a lot of goofy fun. I, I laughed my ass off several times during it. TJPW, I think, is the best at comedy matches. Uh, and, hey, it had um, uh, Chris Brooks on commentary, so there's somebody who speaks English who can explain what's going on. Uh, excellent, even though I feel like sometimes these matches are better when you have no idea what's going on. Uh, but anyways, three out of five from me. Uh, very good comedy match. Very, very fun. If uh, you've ever watched TGPW before and are thinking of doing it again, um, yeah, check out this match. It's fun. It's fun. Fun, fun, fun. Then we had Billy Starks team up with Yuki Kamafuku against Neo Bishiki Gun, uh, May St. Michelle, and Saki-sama. Uh... May St. Michelle, obviously, is the TJPW persona of May Saruka of Best Bros. Very, very cool tag match here. Um, love seeing Billy in TJPW. She's just incredible, uh, and I'm glad that she's getting to travel the world, wrestle different styles, get all this experience, because she's going to be a world-class talent. I, you know... I've seen enough incredible Billy Starks matches in the past month alone to say that she's one of my favorite young wrestlers and one that I'm excited to see turn into a real star because she's got all the tools. Uh, and she took a fucking insane bump in this match. Holy shit. A front flip off the top rope, sent on onto the fucking concrete, landing on her goddamn neck and just popping up alive somehow. Billy Starks is amazing. This match is a lot of fun. Uh, 3.5, uh, I love Neo Bishiki Goon as well. They're, they're a lot of fun. Fun, 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 fun. This show is great. Big ol' fun TJPW show. It makes me, makes me happy about wrestling again. Uh, after that, a bit of a, a downer on this card. Yuki Arai versus Aja Kong. Uh, Aja Kong obviously is legendary. It's very cool to see her still wrestling. Uh, and obviously she can still go to some degree. Uh, this was just an okay match, though. 2.5. Um, you know, I, I can't fault it for it. It's, it's not a bad 2.5. It's like, a, oh, nice to see Aja Kong. Then for the International Princess Championship, Mio Watanabe defends against Rika Tatsumi, two of the kind of upper mid-card acts to TJPW, or kind of standouts. I feel like this one... Uh, if it had been paced a little faster, I would have rated it higher. It had some really cool spots. Miyu Watanabe obviously does uh, some cool power moves, and her um, her airplane spins are just fucking awesome. Uh, this was just an alright match, though. Uh, three out of five um, could have been a bit better, but uh, still, no real complaints for me. And after that, for the TJPW Princess Tag Team Championship... We have 121 million Mio Yamashita and Maki Ito taking on the champions Wasteland War Party, Heidi Howitzer, and Max the Impaler. Um, I had high hopes for this match. Uh, I love I love 121 million. I love Wasteland War Party. I knew this match was going to be happening, and it was like the whole reason Wasteland War Party came over to TJPW was to set up this match. Um, it ended up just being all right. Uh, three out of five. It could have been a lot better, but at the same time, it wasn't, you know, a huge disappointment or anything. Just, um, yeah. Not what I had hoped to see. Uh, then your main event, Yuka Sakazaki defending her Princess of Princess Championship against Mizuki. 
Uh, as with most big Yuka matches, this one delivered big time. Uh, very, very hard-hitting, uh, high-flying affair. The kind of shit you hope to see when you watch Joshi. Uh, yeah, this is uh, definitely makes this card worth checking out, I'd say. It's a 4 out of 5. Um, I'm pretty sure... I, it, it was a week ago, so I'm pretty sure Mizuki won... Probably meaning that uh, Yuka Sakazaki is going to be spending more time in the United States. Hopefully she beats Athena at Supercard of Honor. We'll see. Um, yeah, very, very good match. Check it out. I quite enjoyed it. Loved it, actually. Four out of five. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. Then we have the second GCW uh, card of the weekend. This one was in Toronto, I believe. Worst Behavior. I did check out the opening scramble, um, mostly because my dude Michael Richard Blaze is in it. Uh, he's awesome. MRB is one of the most underrated and overlooked wrestlers in the world, so him getting on GCW is really, really cool. Hopefully people check out this guy's stuff. Uh, if you have an IWTV subscription, check out WrestleCore. Lots of MRB on there, and his match uh, from Warriors versus WrestleCore against Artemis Spencer is a legit banger. And this is, I think, one of the better GCW scrambles that I've seen. I don't always watch it just because they do one every time, but none of them have been bad. It's just a lot of chaotic high spots and crazy shit. 3.5 out of 5. Like, you know... Don't be like me and skip it just because you're trying to get through a lot of these shows. Like, the GCW scrambles are usually well worth watching. Uh, then we, I checked out Wasted Youth, Dylan McKay and Marcus Mathers versus East West Express, Jordan Oliver and Nick Wayne. Uh, this is my first time seeing East West Express. I love Nick Wayne, obviously, and I like Jordan Oliver. Uh, <laughs> I have a lot of complicated feelings about him, apparently. Uh, and Wasted Youth I've never seen before, although I have seen Marcus Mathers, I think, once or twice. Um, this one really surprised me. Uh, I wasn't really ready to rate it a 4 out of 5, but that's what I ended up giving it. It was just like, okay, it's a spot fest. It, not a whole lot of, you know, psychology on display here. But it's fine, though, because it's a GCW show. They're in Ontario, which they don't come to very often. It's not like this match is here to, to build a feud or anything. You don't need a story. It's just a cool exhibition tag team match. And both these teams just kept going and going and going and going and adding more and more insane shit that after a while I had to be like, okay, this fucking owns. And I was like kind of ready to to be a little more dampened in my enthusiasm for it. No, man, this match kicks ass. Uh, check it out if you've got a fight subscription. It's well worth your, worth your time. Four out of five. Uh, very excited to see more East-West Express, especially on Mania Weekend, because they've got some bangers upcoming. Uh, then Gringo Loco with another uh, big high spots match, this time against Jack Cartwheel. Uh, yeah, not as good as his Speedball Mike Bailey match, but slightly better than his Bandito match, because I actually got to see all of it. Um, so it was a 3 out of 5, pretty decent stuff. And then for the GCW World Championship, incidentally, as it was already booked before Masha won the title, Masha Samovich versus Speedball Mike Bailey. Um, yeah, this one, it was pretty long, because you know, now it's your main event, and it's, it's the World Championship match. So there were definitely some points where it dragged a little bit. But it's two very, very good wrestlers, so it still ended up being a very, very good match. 
Um, I feel like I might have rated it a little higher if they hadn't torn the ring apart towards the end. Um, it's getting a little old. It, like, it doesn't have the shock value anymore of like, oh, he's tearing up the canvas and he's pulling out the, the two-by-fours and shit. Um, the, uh, the submission move in, in like, the, the open pit of the ring was pretty cool, though. But, like, this, this whole gimmick takes so much time. It takes a lot of time to set up, and it really brings the momentum of a match to a crawl. But this was still good, a good main event, uh, and worth watching. 3.75 for me. So here's the point where this would be the end of an episode, but it's uh, slightly uh, shorter uh, of a list than I normally get to. And next week's was slightly shorter of a list as well. So we're going to combine them into slightly longer than... uh, a regular episode would be so on the 20th i started the week off with AEW elevation as i often do this one opened with sky blue versus hey taryn from accounting a wrestler i've seen many many times um sky blue has wrestled a lot this year and i've seen many many sky blue matches that is a good thing she needs to develop her skills um unfortunately a lot of them are pretty hit and miss and this one was a miss it was a two out of five from me which is a bummer because i like tfa jake hager took on adam knight in a pretty unforgettable uh, big guy match yeah i'm just gonna move on Ugh, jake hager emmy sakura took on hey zoe sager another wrestler that i've seen a bunch of times she's awesome and this was a pretty good emmy sakura match um, I feel like Emmy could clearly tell that Zoe has a lot of uh, promise, so she gave her one of her good squashes. Uh, 2.75, worth watching this one if you're already watching Elevation. Brandon Cutler versus Jason Geiger was next. Um, this was a bad comedy match. Um, it's poorly paced. The jokes weren't particularly funny. Crowd was into it at first, but they started losing enthusiasm as it went on, and it went on far too long. Uh, 1.75 for me. I very rarely, rarely see anything from AEW that's lower than a 2, but this one sucked. I was not happy with it. After that, Matt Hardy, Isaiah Cassidy, and Ethan Page took on Massive Damage, Mo Jabari, and my boy Sebastian Wolf, the tactical mastermind. Uh, This was an okay six-man tag. I feel like the Matt Hardy, Cassidy, and Page trio started off really hot, but uh, they've kind of cooled off a little bit. Uh, Yeah, and this one was just all right. 2.5. After that, Top Flight, Dante and Darius Martin took on Michael Allen, Richard Clark, and Sean Moore. Uh, Yeah, not a whole lot to say about this one. Just an average tag match, which coming from top flight is weird but uh you know they've had mostly world-class opponents lately and this one is uh not that type of match 2.5 after that athena versus hey another wrestler that i've seen a bunch of times taylor rising hey she's really good too this one was for uh, an roh women's world championship proving ground match and it was pretty solid overall it was a three out of five not as good as some of uh, athena's work lately but uh, better than her worst, and she's wrestled a lot over the past few months. So uh, I really like what uh, Tony Khan is doing with Athena. She's coming off like a star, and uh, that's desperately needed in the women's division right now. And then uh, another tag match, naturally limitless, Dustin Rhodes and Keith Lee. Wow, I never would have seen that coming. Versus Levi Knight and Jesse V, uh, a couple of stalwarts of the Ontario independent scene. 
Uh, this was a 2.25 for me, unfortunately. I like Dustin, but I feel like this tag team is going to hamper Keith Lee for a bit, and I hope it's not a long-term thing. And then for your main event, Dark Order, Alex Reynolds and John Silver took on Tony Nese and Ari Davari. Um, this one was just okay. I feel like the guys in this match could have really put on something, put on a real banger, but in the end it was just average, 2.5. Again, a pretty meh. Uh, elevation. I did like the Athena match and the Emi Sakura match, though. And it's nice seeing so many Canadian wrestlers that I'm uh, very familiar with. Over to Monday Night Raw for uh, we open with Montez Ford versus Austin Theory. Man, this match just illustrates to me why Austin Theory sucks because, you know, Montez has got it and Theory doesn't and it's a uh, very apparent when you uh, compare them side by side. 2.5, not great. Then Mustafa, uh, Mustafa Ali took on Almost after that. Almost. Almost. Uh, very frustrating to see such a great wrestler like Mustafa get squashed by a lump like Omos. Omos. Whatever. 1.75, bad match. Very short. Mustafa deserves better. Then we had Dominic Mysterio versus Johnny Gargano. Dominic certainly doesn't suck as much as he used to, but uh, this was still never going to be a great match. Uh, 2.5 for me. Yeah, I don't know. The Ray match might be good, but uh, I'm not looking forward to it. Bailey versus Rhea Ripley followed that, and that should be a really good match, but uh, I don't remember a thing about it, and it was just a 2.5 in the end. I feel like the women's division in WWE is full of these amazing matches on paper that never deliver, and it's really shitty. I don't know if it's just being, like, booked that way or if just things aren't clicking. I don't know what it is, but uh, this is, like, the fifth or sixth time now where there's been a match where I, you know, five years ago I would have been like, aw, shit, and now it's like, ugh, why does this suck? Why is this not special? It should be special. And hey, up next, a singles match with two of the most special wrestlers that WWE is lucky to have. Ricochet versus Chad Gable. Um, give these guys 20 minutes for uh, with the, like on a pay-per-view and they could tear the fucking house down. Uh, for a TV Raw match, this was just a 3 out of 5. But that's still head and, shoul- that's still head and shoulders above most of what uh, WWE put out this week. Uh, your main event was Asuka and Bianca Belair versus Chelsea Green and Piper Niven. All four of these women are very competent wrestlers. Uh, however, this only ended up being just above average. Uh, a bit of a mess, to be honest. Uh, I've not been very uh, pleased with Piper Niven's return run as Piper Niven. It's been pretty lackluster so far. Give her something to do. Let her crush someone. Anyways, AEW Dark happens. Let's see if it got any better. Opens with Leon Ruffin versus Juice Robinson. Uh, Leon is a very spirited competitor, and he can put on a very unique match. This one was just all right. Uh, 2.75 for me. Yeah, still waiting for something really uh, worthwhile from Juice. Then we got Kira Hogan versus Layla Gray. Um, Yeah, pretty uh, just... All right, women's singles match. Uh, neither of these two are, are really uh, at a high level yet, so this was a two out of five from me. Then the Iron Savages, Boulder and Bronson, took on the Wingmen, Ryan Nemeth and Cesar Bononi. 
uh, yeah, another uh, pretty forgettable match. I can't really tell you much about it. It was a 2.25. But hey, oh, well, finally something that woke me up. The Renegades, Robin and Charlotte Renegade, took on Avery Bro and Mafiosa. Uh, Avery... Every once in a while, the Renegades show up ready to throw hands, and this was one of those times. And Avery Bro and Mafiosa have tagged a couple times before. They've kind of gotten used to each other's company, and they were showing up with some ideas. So this match ended up being quite better than uh, your average dark fare from this week. I gave it a 3 out of 5. These girls had something here. This was a hard-hitting match with some fun spots. It got the crowd going. Good stuff. I'm really liking the Renegades when they're let off the leash and just are allowed to fucking go. Uh, They can put on a really, really fun match. Then your main event, Billy Starks versus Tony Storm. I remember thinking when this match got announced, this will either be uh, the worst Billy Starks match I've seen this year or the best Tony Storm match I've seen this year. It ended up being somewhere in the middle. It was just all right. Three out of five for me. Uh, again, I really want to like Tony Storm. She seems cool. Seems like a, a nice lady, and her look and persona is cool. Um, I've just never seen a truly great Tony Storm match where she wasn't being obviously carried by you know a wrestler like Io Shirai or something. Um, yeah, it was all right, but uh, I, uh, I I would like to see more Billy Starks and against. Uh, I don't know. Somebody Tony's level that's not Tony. Anyways, over to NWA Power. Because I hate myself. Uh, Billy Corgan served up this week uh, some Brady Pierce and Thrill Billy Silas. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give them this. Uh, there was a bunch of run-ins in this match, and Thrill Billy Silas did his, uh, his Thrill Ride finisher a bunch of times. It was impressive, and he had fun doing it, and it got the crowd going. So, you know, this match wasn't nothing, but it still wasn't great. 2.25. And then, oh my god, Trevor Murdoch versus Daisy Kill and Talos, uh, the father of all of Skyrim, Lord of the Nords, uh, in an unsanctioned handicap match. Um... This was a slovenly, uh, embarrassing, just piece of shit match that, honestly, like, why did it need to be on this show? You could have left this off and and given more time to your main event, which has wrestlers that people actually want to see. Um, I don't understand the point of this. Everyone in this match looked bad. This was a 1.75. Come on, Billy, get your shit together. Oh, as if he heard me saying that right now, Billy got his shit together. And for your main event, Taya Valkyrie versus Max the Impaler. Wow, a real match with wrestlers that you want to see on NWA Power? Am I fucking dreaming? It was a 2.75. <laughs> um, hey, I love Max the Impaler. I think they're one of the coolest indie wrestlers out there. They have a great gimmick, uh, and they're going to have a bright future in the industry. Uh, the problem is is that their matches are never, you know, incredible bangers. I- I've yet to see one, and the same I could say about Taya Valkyrie. I like both these women a lot, and this was worlds better than most of what NWA is capable of putting out, and... 
Billy Corgan is smart for doing this. Uh, however, this was still just slightly above average. NWA, still in the mud! Over to NXT, speaking of being in the mud. Um, I shouldn't say that. They had a really good match this week. It opened with Indy Hartwell versus Tiffany Stratton. Uh, this match didn't really go anywhere particularly impressive, and it ended kind of abruptly, but uh, 2.5 wasn't terrible. But then you had J.D. McDonough versus Ilya fucking Dragunov. Um, this was a very, very smart match. And I say smart because these guys clearly use the TV format of NXT to their benefit. Um, they wrestled a slow WWE TV match during the commercial breaks only. And when they were back from commercial break, these guys wrestled like it was fucking progress again. Um, I was very, very impressed this is the second best WWE match I've seen all year. Easily the best NXT match. Uh, I gave it a 4 out of 5. And hey, very happy to give a WWE match a 4 out of 5. If they had a, sh an, uh, a match like this on every card for NXT, I would probably walk back a lot of my criticisms about it. Um, but unfortunately... I, I highly doubt that's going to be the case, but this was a, a very excellent match. Worlds better than anything WWE has put out this year, except for Roman Reigns versus Sami Zayn. Um, four out of five, check it out. Worth worth your time. After that, Lyra Valkyria took on Ivy Nile. Um, this one was a pretty alright match. I like Ivy Nile quite a bit. Um, it was kind of short. I feel like they probably could have done a little more but hey no complaints here this was an all right match 2.75 unfortunately i also gave the same score to the main event which should have been a lot better braun breaker and carmelo hayes versus pretty deadly kit wilson and elton prince um i feel like so much of this match was just nothing really hitting nothing really getting into second gear um yeah just every time carmelo got some offense it picked up a little bit but uh, Braun Breaker, I don't know. Whenever I've seen him in a tag match, it just hasn't been good. 2.75, a bit of a disappointment uh, for a main event after a motherfucker of a match from McDonough and Dragunov. Um, yeah, go out of your way to check out that one. Over to Dynamite. Well, are they going to have anything that will match that? I wonder. Uh, opens with Orange Cassidy, Darby Allin, and Sting versus The Butcher, The Blade, and Kip Sabian. Uh, this was a fine match. Always good to see Sting. Um, you know, a bit of a, a fun, chaotic six-man. Start the crowd off hot. Yeah, not bad at all. Three out of five. After that, the Guns, Austin and Colton Gunn, took on top flight. Dante and Darius Martin for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. Um, yeah, I know that the Guns just have the Tag Team Championships so that they can hopefully lose them to FTR when they announce that they're staying with AEW, because I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. But um, Top Flight are just so far ahead of the Guns that uh, this match was a little lopsided and uh, really kind of exposed Austin and Colton for just being alright when they're in the ma uh, ring with a team that's way better than alright. Uh, this was a 2.75 match for me. This could have been a little bit better, but, uh, yeah. Hoping this Guns Tag Team Championship reign ends quickly. After that, a no-disqualification match, Stokely Hathaway versus Hook. Um, I will praise the uh, the comedy bit before the match started, the whole wing spot receipt uh, thing. That was funny. Um, 
This match, however, was just a, a fun little distraction. There's nothing wrong with it, uh, but I could only rate it a 2.25 because, you know, not a whole lot actually happened. But it was fun. Uh, and then Stu Grayson making his singles return to AEW against John Moxley. And, uh, yeah, this was one of those matches where both guys were ready to put on a good-ass performance and give the fans a, a good time. Uh, it was pretty into this one. It was a 3.5 for me, recommended. Um, I feel like if this episode of Dynamite just had the main event and didn't have this match, a lot of people would be saying, like, oh, it, it was a one-match show. But thankfully, uh, this show had two good matches. So, hey, how about that? Following that, we had Tony Storm versus Sky Blue. Ugh. Oh, no. Yeah, um, unfortunately... This is uh, a perfect storm sort of scenario where two really mediocre wrestlers manage to get a very mediocre performance out of each other. Um, Sky Blue can do better than this. Tony Storm can do better than this. And this match was, uh, yeah, just uh, very forgettable. It felt like it's there just to have a women's match on the card, and that's unfortunate. Two out of five. And then your main event, the motherfucking dream match. I probably don't have to say anything about it because you've already heard all the takes and seen all the gifts. Kenny Omega versus El Hijo del Vikingo. Uh, yeah, what can I say? This match delivered it on the hype. It was well worth the wait. It was it even gave a bit of a bump in ratings for AEW. So I feel like this was. A very important and crucial match to have. It got people talking. It got people excited for Dynamite again. Um, Kenny's taking on Jeff Cobb this week, so hopefully that will kind of keep this momentum going. Kenny Omega singles matches are a draw, and Tony Khan is, is smart for putting them on, and I hope we get more funny... Uh, not funny. I hope we get more fun Kenny matches like this, because this match was bananas. Uh, crazy high spots from from Vikingo, and Kenny is such a pro that he really like structured this match and, and gave it a very solid foundation so that Vikingo could just just impress and, and do his thing. Uh, yeah, great match. I'm sure you've already heard this from so many other sources, but uh, yeah, fantastic. Go out of your way to see it. Four out of five. I'm sure other people have rated it higher. Yeah, yeah. There were some spots where there was a bit of hesitation and, you know, it didn't quite flow as well as it should have. So, you know, I didn't give it, you know, 4.25 or 4.5 as some people have. Still, it's a great match. It's on my match of the year list. It's, it's good. Go watch it. Ring of Honor on Honor Club time. And it opened with Tony Nese versus Mark Briscoe. Um, it's interesting seeing Mark Briscoe wrestling singles matches, as Jay was always the singles wrestler uh, out of the two brothers. But uh, this one was all right. Three out of five. Uh, then the Trust Busters, Ari Davari, Slim Jay, and Jeeves K took on AR Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. Uh, very happy to say that this was the bunker spot fest that the previous Trust Busters match from last week should have been. Um, yeah, great high-flying AR Fox, Christian, and Metalik all looked great. Um, yeah, real, real hot one uh, early on in this show. Check it out, check it out, check it out. After that, Lady Frost took on, hey, Sky Blue, and what do you know? 
this is probably the best Sky Blue match I've ever seen because, uh, you know, she was able to hold her own against a very talented, very uh, confident opponent. Lady Frost is fucking awesome, and I really hope that they make her one of the the sharks of the Ring of Honor women's division because she's great, and they need to keep her around. Uh, 3.25 from me. Good stuff. Good, good stuff. Um, after that, La Faction and Gobernable, Rouge and Dralistico took on Rhett Titus and Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. Um, this was just an okay match. It was a 2.75. Um, yeah. Rouge and Dralistico are, are a cool tag team. I just want to see them in like a real like high-paced, steal-the-show type of match. Uh, yeah. 2.75. After that, Matt Taven took on Darius Martin. I already kind of gave my review for this one, that Darius just isn't quite the singles wrestler that uh, Dante is. And Taven, you know, I have yet to see anything that really makes me excited about him. Uh, He just seems like another guy. And, you know, Mike Bennett just seems like another guy, too. I don't know what I'm supposed to think about the kingdom. They're just, just some guys... Tony Deppen took on Brian Cage after that. This was a fairly decent match. Um, I feel like it was kind of floundering, but Tony got real fired up, and that kind of saved this one. So it was a 3 out of 5 for me. Pretty good. Shane Taylor took on Silas Young in a pretty entertaining match. Uh, I feel like their styles didn't necessarily mesh super well, but they had enough like character work around it that it ended up giving this match some cohesion, so it ended up being pretty good. 3 out of 5. And then uh, Miranda Alize, I think that's how you say it, versus Billy Starks. Um, yeah, this was still pretty good because Billy is obviously very impressive, but uh, not the best use of her that I've seen, uh, at least in the past couple of weeks. Uh, just 2.75, but still pretty good. Then Christopher Daniels and Matt Seidel took on Ozzy Open, Mark Davis, and Kyle Fletcher. Uh, yeah, this was one I was very excited for. Very glad that Tony Khan is booking all the Ozzy Open tag matches, and this one was a spicy one. 3.5, definitely recommend it. Uh, go out of your way to check it out. It was kind of the real main event from this show, because uh, your actual main event after Samoa Joe versus Cheeseburger for the ROH television title was a very short squash, but it was a good one. Uh, Samoa Joe looked dominant, looked powerful, looked like a beast, and uh, we need all the help we can get reminding us why Samoa Joe is awesome, because his run in AEW has been spotty. Some some great stuff, some that you, you almost wonder if they're, like, slipping on him. But I'm happy to say that uh, for a squash match, this one was everything it needed to be. Pretty good honor club this week. No, like, you know, absolute banger like that uh, Athena and Willow Nightingale match, but uh, some worth uh, some matches worth checking out. Uh, pretty good Ring of Honor episode. Over to Impact, which opened with the design, Diener, Angels, and Khan versus Time Machine, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and Kushida. Um, yeah, I feel like with a better set of opponents, Time Machine could have put on a better match, but this still ended up being a pretty good one. It dragged for a bit during, uh, the beginning and middle parts, but once they kind of brought it up to a crescendo, this was a pretty fun six-man tag. 3.25. After that, Deanna Perrazzo took on Savannah Evans. I feel like I've seen this match already, but, uh, who's to say? Uh, it was pretty alright. Uh, 2.75, slightly above average, but nothing amazing, but I was happy to see this match. 
Oh, and then Bully Ray and Masha Slamovich took on Tommy Dreamer and Mickey James. I gave Bully Ray a lot of credit for that uh, Josh Alexander match. I feel like I almost want to take it back. Because <laughs> uh, his whole I'm a misogynist and I like hurting women shtick is gross. And uh, I, I, I don't like it. And I don't like seeing these uncomfortable Bully Ray matches that, uh, you know, only he does this. This whole, I'm going to make you beg for your life thing. Like, I'm just, ah. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't get him heat. It It's disquieting. It makes audiences feel bad. And they get quiet instead of booing him. Don't like it. 1.75. Bad match. Moving on. Uh, oh, and t- uh, Mickey James got injured in this match, too. Great stuff. Great stuff. And your main event, Joe Hendry and Dirty Dango took on Moose and Brian Myers. Uh, yeah, I would have swapped this one with the opener, to be honest, because, uh, uh, you know, despite the opener being slightly disappointing, it was still far better than this. Uh, I've given a lot of praise to Impact lately, but I feel like this was one of their worst shows they've done this year. Uh, yeah, not... Not singing their praises this week, I'm afraid, but there was one alright match. Over to SmackDown, which opened with Cody Rhodes versus Ludwig Kaiser. Uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping this one would be good, but it just never really got going. Another one that was just kind of hampered by WWE insisting to give time in this match to the Cody Rhodes versus Roman Reigns story. Like, you can do it while still having the match be entertaining. You don't have to slow everything down to to beat this into our heads. Anyways, moving on to Rey Mysterio versus LA Knights. Um, this one could have gone either way. I feel like it landed somewhere in the middle. Uh, it was a 2.5. Yeah, I don't know. It could have been an actual good match. I feel like LA Knight is just kind of the whipping boy. Um, he's very over in his promos, but he just gets booked to get fed to people like Cody Rhodes and Rey Mysterio. So I don't know. I don't know how to feel about that. And then Natalia and Shotzi took on Lacey Evans and Zia Lee. Um, I can't tell you much about this one. Don't remember a whole lot about it. Uh, Lacey Evans is pretty bad. Shotzi's pretty bad. Natalia is eh. And Zia Lee could be good, but right now, ugh. Yeah, I'm just going to move on. 2.25. This match, boring. And then, for your main event, Gunther, the Intercontinental Champion, takes on some guy named Peter England. Uh, I was quite excited to see Pete Dunne take on Gunther, but then I got sad because this match really illustrates that uh, Pete Dunne is not considered to be a top guy in any stretch of the imagination. I feel like WWE has him on par with uh, Riddick Moss, and... uh, uh, fucking, what's his name? The, um, the other brawling brutes guy. Ridge Holland. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like WWE thinks that Butch is on the same level as, like, Ridge Holland. And they treat him like it, and it sucks. Uh, he should be winning titles. He's a world-class wrestler. And, uh, you know, he's, he's making the Butch character work. He's giving it all he can, but they're really misusing this guy. Uh, it's it's a real shame because even in a match against against Walter, uh, he's just booked to not really be a threat, and that's not cool. 
this this should have been better. Uh, three out of five, but you had the opportunity to have like a four out of five match on SmackDown, and they just didn't go for it. It's a shame. Over to Impact uh, for Sacrifice, the uh, unfortunate pay-per-view that seems to be kind of cursed because Josh Alexander is injured and has to uh, relinquish his Impact Championship, and uh, Mickey James is injured as well. So there's a couple of changes to this card. Um, and again, I feel like this is one where they really should have swapped the opener and, uh, and main event. It opened with Speedball Mike Bailey versus Jonathan Gresham. Uh, again, I feel like both Gresham and, and Speedball are two of the absolute best wrestlers on the planet. And they've been wrestling each other a lot over the past couple of months. And none of these matches have ever really just pushed forward into that third gear and and really been something special. They've, uh, other than the tag match against the Motor City Machine Guns, which is just like, oh, an incredible once-in-a-lifetime tag match that you need to see, um, these matches are just good. They're they're really good, but they should be great. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being spoiled, and maybe I'm expecting too much from these guys. But uh, this match just ended up being a bit of a not even a disappointment. It just it, it just should have been slightly better. Three point seven five, especially because it's the rematch. You know, it should have been better than the first one. Oh well. Up next for the Impact Digital Media Championship, Joe Hendry defends against Brian Myers. Uh, had a lot of good stuff to say about Joe Hendry during the Moose feud because it was creative and fun. Uh, this one was just an average wrestling match, unfortunately. Nothing too special about it. I give it a 2.5. After that, Deanna Perrazzo took on Giselle Shaw. This was a pretty entertaining bout with some pretty hard hitting and some uh, good flow to it. Uh, yeah, it was a 3 out of 5, a, a fine match. Uh, unfortunately, most of this card is just fine matches um, that I was happy to see, but uh, really didn't stack up to the level of quality that Impact has been putting on this year. Um, like um, uh, another example, PCO versus Kenny King. Another 3 out of 5. Uh, solid match. PCO did a bunch of crazy bumps, um, but yeah, it was just all right. Uh, and I'm surprised I have to say the same thing about the Impact X Division Championship match, Trey Miguel versus Lince Dorado. Um, you would have thought this one would have lit the world on fire, but um, it ended up just being okay. I feel like if they had just made it a complete balls-out spot fest, it would have been a little better received. But, um, you know, there's a little more, like, chit-chat and drama and stuff in this match. So, three out of five. Surprised this wasn't better. Uh, another one that I'm surprised wasn't better for the Impact Tag Team Championship, Bullet Club, Ace Austin and Chris Bay versus Shane Haste and Bad Dude Tito of The Mighty Don't Kneel. Um, I love Shane Haste. He's one of my absolute favorite wrestlers, and he had some opportunities to do some cool selling and bumps in this match and had a couple of cool spots. But, uh, yeah, this one just never really reached that point where I'd be like, yeah, this is a good tag title match. Um just a 2.75, although I would happily have watched it again instead of the next match. Bully Ray versus Tommy Dreamer in a busted open match. Um, I didn't talk about their stupid press conference from uh, No Surrender because it sucked ass, but it wasn't a match, so I just I glossed over it. 
Um, I'm really, really excited for this feud to be over so I can go back to pretending that Bully Ray and Tommy Dreamer's podcast doesn't exist because I don't care about it and I'm tired of hearing about it and I'm tired of seeing their god-awful matches and this one was just fucking terrible. Uh, it was slow, it was plodding, it was boring, it didn't make any sense. The ref took an, an absurd ref bump that just went on way too long. And as soon as you realize that, oh, the ref is down, Bully Ray is going to bleed, but the ref isn't going to see it. You saw the finish for this coming a mile away, but unfortunately, the finish was still a mile away. And you had to sit through the rest of this fucking god-awful match. One of the worst I've seen of the year. I'm... Just so over Bully Ray, and I was really ready to be like, maybe he's maybe he's turning it around. Is gonna have like an all timer run for him? Nope. Uh, just his usual bullshit. I'm I'm really not into it. One point five out of five. Uh, skip this match if you're watching Sacrifice. It's not worth it. Um, it's just gonna dampen your enthusiasm for the show in general. And unfortunately, the main event isn't going to save it. Uh, Frankie Kazarian, Steve Macklin, and Rich Swan versus Time Machine, Alex Shelley, Chris Sabin, and Kushida. I feel like this match would have better fit an episode of Impact rather than the main event of a pay-per-view. Um, some pretty decent spots, some you know fun moments, but... Oh, man, after that last one, they really needed something special to bring it home and have this show be you know, anything other than just average, and unfortunately, this match wasn't it. Uh, 3.25 from me. Overall, very disappointing Impact pay-per-view when they've been really excellent and memorable and, like, had a ton of stuff to praise lately. This one, obviously, they're hampered by some injuries. That's not their fault, but, uh, yeah, a cursed show. There's some good matches, uh, even one kind of great match, but I hesitate to say that you should spend your time on it. Like, maybe just watch the opener, honestly. The rest of it just is uh, is skippable. And that's sad to say, because I've been very Team Impact this year so far. Uh, you know what will cheer me up, though? Talking about the uh, amazing time that I had at NEW12. Uh, been looking forward to this show basically since, like, December, I think, is when they announced it. Um, obviously... It was a big fucking deal. They were bringing in three wrestlers from Japan, uh, Maki Ito, Mio Yamashita, and the motherfucking king, Minoru Suzuki. So this was, for me, somebody who lives in you know Western Canada, this was possibly a once-in-a-lifetime show. Might be the... Well, <laughs> I say it could be the only chance to see Minoru Suzuki, but then I went and bought fucking tickets to forbidden door so i'm probably gonna see suzuki later this year as well but uh anyways let's get into the actual card here because there's a lot to talk about it opened with a surprise match travis williams versus nick fucking wayne in his new debut um i was very 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 happy to have nick wayne be the uh surprise competitor on this card and this was a match that honestly i had been waiting to see um travis is debatably the best young talent in bc nick wayne is debatably the best young talent in the united states um and you could possibly say the same thing about travis being the the best young talent from canada because uh you know he, he's he is up there and actually uh pro wrestling illustrated rated him the highest uh in canada so you know 
I, I maybe it's safe to just say that this is the best young wrestler from Canada taking on the best young wrestler from the United States, and boy, 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 did they deliver. Um, I mean, Nick Wayne matches. He can do a long, dramatic, like storyline match, or he can just do an all-out spot fest where he does everything. And he did a spot all-out spot fest where he does everything. These guys were throwing kitchen sinks at each other all goddamn night. Uh, yeah, great stuff. You wish every show would start off with a match this hot. Four out of five for me. Uh, when they upload this, or if it airs on. Telus Optic TV. I, I have no idea how you'll go out and see this match, but if you can, it is so worth your time. Travis fucking owns. Nick Wayne is incredible. Yeah, four out of five. Great match. Uh, after that, for the NEW Women's Championship, Mio Yamashita takes on the ace of Canadian wrestling, Nicole Matthews. Um, next to Minoru Suzuki, I felt like this match had. Uh, the potential to steal the show. Um, unfortunately, it was such a stacked show that that ended up not happening, but this was still an incredible match. I uh, gave it a 3.5. It was uh, everything it needed to be. Yamashita is an incredible talent, and getting to see her in the ring with somebody like Matthews, who is finally maybe getting the recognition she deserves as one of the best working today for women's wrestling, was really, really cool. Um, yeah, recommended this match. Um, very, very good stuff. After that, another fucking banger. Daniel Makabe, my boy, takes on Cody Chun of C4. Um, this is something of a dream match. Uh, definitely one that I had been wanting to see ever since I became aware of Cody Chun and his wrestling acumen. And um, they went out and put on a very, very strategic and technically minded uh, grappling match. I actually uh, talked to Daniel a little bit after the show just because I'm buying one of his t-shirts and happened to chat a little bit. And he said that they definitely wanted this match to be different and to feel special compared to all the other stuff that was happening on this card because there's a lot going on. Um, so I'm very glad that there was a straightforward uh, scientific wrestling match on this card. It really needed it. It was well-placed. I feel like some of the crowd maybe isn't very... Um, acclimatized to this kind of wrestling and uh they weren't sure how to react to it that always happens with technical wrestling if you're not used to it and you're not used to why it's cool it's kind of hard to know what to do as an audience member but this was still a really really good match um i was so happy that uh, it was on this card and they they wrestled it the way they did 3.75 uh, i'd say probably the best makabe match i've seen so far this year and um yeah, I'd like to say it's the best Cody Chun match, but uh, he had a banger against Nick Wayne at uh, Defy Year 6. So many good young wrestlers these days, and I'm very lucky to have seen so many of them live in the past couple months. Um, yeah, moving on. For the NEW Tag Team Championship, the champions reloaded. Jackie Lee and Sharif Morrow taking on the wise men, Tony Baroni and Billy Suede. Um, this was almost, like, the weakest match on the card, there were some parts where, you know, it wasn't flowing great and, you know, it was maybe dragging a little bit. But every time it felt like it was taking a step back, they would do something crazy and fucking insane that I've never seen before. This match was saved by its insane spots. Uh, there's just... Oh, 
it was a, a, a blisteringly fast uh, tag bout, and you know if these guys weren't willing to throw caution in the wind and just do some big ass moves, um, this could have been lackluster. But it ended up being pretty solid overall. I gave it a three point two five. Yeah, uh, it kept the energy going for this show to be sure. After that, the cutest in the world returns to Vancouver to take on the Joshi Slayer, Cat Power, who came out in a Ribera jacket, which is pretty sick. You know, basically telling Maki, like, hey, I've been in your backyard, motherfucker. Uh, this was a fun match, as Maki Ito matches often are. Cat uh, was, you know, obviously on her fucking A game for this match, and, and Maki was... She's such an entertainer. Uh, I mean, she's getting better in-ring, but she's just such an entertaining, like, character. It's very easy to see why people all over the world have really connected with, with her performances, and, and she's becoming a true global star. Um, somebody will eventually capitalize on Maki Ito's popularity in the West. Somebody will do it, I swear. This match was a 3 out of 5, uh, good stuff. Um, maybe you know not as incredible as some of the other matches on this card, but still really, really good. After that, Bambi Hall took on her sister Liza in a tables match. Uh, it was weird, because it wasn't a match where like you put your opponent through a table and you win. It was a match where tables were legal and you had to get pinfalls or submissions. But all other weapons were legal too, so this was... Probably more accurately a hardcore match or a street fight or a no DQ. I don't know. Um, as far as uh, a weapons match goes, this one was pretty fun. Had some thumbtacks, had some tables, had some trash cans, had some brooms. Uh, the Hall's mom came out. Yeah, it was, it was a fun one. Uh, I feel like in different hands this could have been a real mess, but it still ended up being an entertaining bout. Three out of five. And I, I know from a lot of people, uh, they really enjoyed this match, too. It was a lot of people's favorite. Uh, after that, for the NEW Championship, a triple threat, Evan Rivers, Artemis Spencer, and Mr. Ferguson, Squamish Roadkill himself. Uh, I'm very happy to say that Mr. Ferguson is a truly over-wrestler in Vancouver. He comes out to a chorus of boos, but then he wins the NEW Championship, and everyone is so happy for the guy. Like... He's really one of the wrestlers that you love to hate, and emphasis on the word love. Um, this match was suitably crazy. It went all over the arena. Um, stop fucking complaining when you can't see a spot just because wrestlers have moved away from you, you fucking assholes on the right side of the Commodore. Fuck you, guy banging on the ring because he can't see. They were just in front of you two minutes ago. They will be in front of you again in 30 seconds. Calm the fuck down. I hate people who are like, over here, do it again, we can't see. Stop being backseat road agents and just let the fucking performers perform. Nobody on my side of the room complained when they couldn't see anything when the wrestlers were over in front of you, you jackass. I hate wrestling fans. <laughs> um, anyways, the match. Uh, yeah, really good stuff. Uh, a lot of brawling, some high-flying spots, some shenanigans. Fergie is just... Such a delightful piece of shit, and it's it's fun to watch him work. Uh, yeah, this was was a feel good match for people who have been following Mr. Ferguson. Really, really happy to say it, it was a load of fun. Three point seven five, um, and you know can't ask for anything much better than that. Leading into our main event, 
Judas Icarus, the Man City Vulture, taking on the king, Minoru Suzuki. Um, I'll, I'll say this much. I was thinking about this match in the weeks leading up to it, being like, you know, Minoru Suzuki is like 54 years old. If he comes to Vancouver and phones it in, nobody's going to be upset. They're, you know, you're, you're paying for this ticket to see the guy because he's a legend and he's been around for a long time and he's not going to be around for much longer. So this is like, this might be your one chance. Come, come see the legend. And, you know, if he put on a, a bit of a stinker, nobody really, really would have batted an eye. You know, being able to scream Kaze ni nare during his entrance music is worth the price of the ticket alone. So if this match sucked, I, I would have been... You you couldn't have gotten a, a complaint out of me. I would have just been happy to have seen it. I'm happy to say that this is one of the best Minoru Suzuki matches I've seen in a very long time. Easily the best I've seen of him this year. And I'm pretty sure I've seen a handful of his matches at least. Um... Yeah, Minoru showed up with his working boots on, man. Like, he was ready to do his usual shtick. He wasn't holding back. You know, he did the upside-down fucking rope armbar and everything. Like, he did all the cool spots. He did all the stuff you'd expect to see out of him. And it was a hard-hitting bout with so many fucking chops. He just chopped Judas to death, but then Judas came back and wailed on him, and he just ate him like breakfast oh man i i i'm a, it's weird because i've seen you know a match with john moxley and zack saber jr and been kind of like unaffected by it because it was just kind of okay this one it was hard to remain objective because i really was starstruck and i felt like i was really watching one of the greats like doing what makes him great um yeah this match was fucking great this match was fucking awesome uh it delivered more than i anticipated and i i think judas is is really lucky that there's a company like new in vancouver that's willing to put money and production and effort and care behind this vancouver scene uh, I feel like this match is a victory lap for Nation Extreme Wrestling. They should hold their heads high. Uh, this is how you sig- signify to other companies in the industry and other fans that, hey, Vancouver has a fucking super indie. We have Minoru Suzuki wrestling great matches over here. Uh, pay attention. This match ruled. This card ruled. I can say definitively that this was the most consistently good live wrestling card I've ever seen. Even some shows that I've been to, mostly in Washington Hall, that had better matches than this one, still also had worse matches than this one. There were matches at Defy Year 6 that I rated lower than everything on this card. There were matches um, when I saw the, the Progress Tour in Seattle uh, that were that were worse than things on this card. This was an incredible night of wrestling, and everyone involved in, in NEW should be very, very proud for what they've done. The only thing that I'll see this year that can probably match this is going to be Forbidden Door, but honestly, like, Forbidden Door has fairly big shoes to fill from this local indie of mine. Oh, man. 
Uh, I really wish I could cap it off there, but I actually do have one more show to talk about uh, because Rampage was preempted by Sportsball this week and aired on a Saturday. So let's go through it. Uh, having fought Ray Phoenix last week uh, for the TNT Championship, Powerhouse Hobbs now takes on Penta El Zero Miedo. Uh, unfortunately, these two did not have the kind of chemistry that uh, Hobbs and Phoenix had. It was just an alright match. and didn't have nearly the uh, panache that the Phoenix one had. It was just a 3 out of 5 for me. After that, Brody King took on Jake Hager. Uh, this was a big Haas match, if you will. Um, yeah, I feel like it was okay and definitely better than Jake Hager has done lately, but uh, definitely not on par with what I've seen Brody King do. Taya Valkyrie took on Layla Gray in a pretty short and forgettable match. I gave it a 2 out of 5. And then your main event, The Kingdom, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett took on the acclaimed Max Caster and Anthony Bowens. Pretty good acclaimed rap. Uh, the match wasn't terrible. It was a 3 out of 5, but uh, eh. Um, pretty uh, pretty weak main events uh, for even for rampage standards. Unfortunately, I uh, don't think the kingdom are a pretty uh, particularly big name. Uh, yeah, what can you do? It wasn't a terrible rampage, but uh, even compared to dynamite earlier this week, and especially compared to what I saw on the twenty fourth in Vancouver, uh, pretty lackluster. So that's. Uh, that's it for these last two weeks. Uh, thank you for sticking with me and uh, bearing with this uh, extra load of wrestling recapage, I guess you could say. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at, at @mattbasky or follow the show at Throw Taters Show. Um, and you know, it would it would really make me happy. It would really make me personally glad if y'all could just smoke weed and watch wrestling. Could you do that for me? Thanks, guys. Have a great week.